Did you know you could use fear to your advantage? You could actually use this as an incredibly helpful and powerful tool. And that's what we're going to talk about today on episode 26 of The Relaxed Mail. Hello and welcome to Relaxed Mail, a podcast that helps men change their relationship with themselves. I am your host, Brian, and I am a men's life and mindset coach who is here to help you understand that you don't have to suffer at your own expense. You can live your dream, and I encourage you to set, then pursue your goals. So join me as I change the mindset and attitudes of men so that they can be the leaders of their families and their destinies. Hey man, hello and welcome to the Relaxed Mail. All right, so going to start this run off with the question of the week. I know I forgot to do my question of the week last week. And so that's what we're going to be talking about right off the bat. We're going to start off with this segment and just kind of see how it goes. And then from there, um, just, uh, we're going to dive into the, uh, to the main topic. So. Like I said a couple of weeks before, I was, when it comes to, uh, this section, if I can get, if I have somebody who actually submits a question to me, I will actually use that. If not, then I'll, what I'm going to end up doing is, um, just grabbing some, uh, typical questions that I find over online, over at like Quora and some of the other places, uh, question and answer sites like that. And so today, um, actually kind of just a funny one is, um, is going to be what's the hardest thing about parenting teens? So what is the hardest thing about, uh, parenting teens? I would like to go off and do, you know, we could always take it a funny angle and say it's their attitude, but, um, I'm really was kind of tempted to just say, blame it on society, but that's not even it. The, the hardest thing about parenting teens is their free will. Honestly, it's, you know, you would like for a teen to do what you, uh, what you say and not learn life through the, the school of hard knocks. We, we all seem to want to learn how to not do something by doing it the hard way. Yet that's the way we learn. We all learn that way. Yeah. We know now that nothing good comes, uh, comes about after midnight. We all know, have a good idea that, you know, hanging out with those quote unquote friends of yours are the reason why you keep getting harassed by the police. That's, the fact that uh, you're, you know, you're, if you would just sit down and do the homework, you know, life would be a lot easier. You would have, you know, you wouldn't have to worry about having a low D in, in math if you actually just was to do your math homework. The, the element of free will just causes a, a big headache for, uh, for, Parents, and that's also, it causes a headache for the teens because, you know, they're doing what they, 
what they want to do. They are exercising their free will. They have gotten to the age to where they realize, holy smokes, dude, I've got free will. I will do what I want to do. My old man ain't going to say, can tell you all he wants. He, he He's going to ground me. So I just will act. I mean, that's whenever I was growing up, um, you know, I would do stuff get myself into trouble, stay out, you know, past curfew, things like that. And the common thing was to be grounded from, say, my car. So free will-wise, you know, it's a battle between parents and kids. If you're taking the wrong attitude with with raising children, and raising, trying to bring up a team that will come to you with their problems and things like that. The issue that, uh, like my parents had was that if they said I was grounded off the car, I was like, Oh, okay, fine. I mean, I just, I, I would live two blocks from the high school, three blocks from the junior high. So, I mean, it wasn't a, so it wasn't a big deal. I'd just get up, I'd go throw on a coat and, and and stuff and I would leave, you know, at seven thirty and make it over to school before seven forty five. It was just it was just a I would lived in a small town. I mean it was there was your the school was pretty much the center of town <laughs> town. You you lived, you know, just blocks from everywhere. And so I would leave early <laughs> and that would aggravate. Uh, and I did that kind of out of spite because, you know, as you're, as a kid, you would, you was like, well, well I'm going to, you're going to do what you can within the pa- limited amount of power that you do have or that you don't, or that you realize that you have, you, we actually have a whole lot more power. It was just, we don't realize that level of power that we have yet. And that's actually kind of a good thing because, you know, it's, if you give them a hundred percent adult power at the uh, age of uh, 16, you know, there's, there's a lot of concern there, but if you take, um, but whenever I was, I would use my limited amount of power by, and to quote unquote, give back at, uh, uh, my parents who grounded me because I couldn't drive the car. So I would leave early before I was told to take my sisters to, to the junior high. I was like, well, it's three blocks down the road. You can, they can walk. It's not hard. And, um, so it was, that was my struggle. That was, I was going to exercise that free will of, well, if I'm grounded, well, then I'm going to make as many people as, as miserable as I can. And see, and that's where that fault in flaw in, in teenage thinking comes. I made my life harder. By trying to make everybody else's life harder. So the hardest thing about parenting, a teenager's free will, their stubborn hard headedness is, is what it is. All right. So right. there you go. There's your first question of the week. If you haven't, if you want to ask a question and you want to pose a question, say uh, about mindset, about uh, working with uh, teenage kids, teenage boys, and you're trying to find a way of connecting with a teenage boy and you would like to have just a little tidbit of advice, please then go ahead and, uh, submit that over to Brian at, and that's Brian with a Y at relaxedmail.com or you can go to relaxedmail.com forward slash contact. And, uh, there is a, uh, form you can fill out and submit to, 
to me and I will get back to you and I'll answer your question on the show. If I get a whole bunch of them, it may get spaced out a little bit, but it will, I'll answer your questions on the show. So anyhow, now we're talking about fear today. Now, a lot of times when we talk about fear, we're talking about fear as uh, it's this big barrier, something that most people uh, avoid so that they can actually make a so that they can make a a a, a answer in there or make a, a choice. And a lot of times when that choice happens that we're doing it, we make a, a wrong choice because of fear. I don't want my wife to, uh, to worry about me losing my job. So I won't tell her just a, kind of an extreme example. I understand, but still there, it, it does happen. Sometimes guys won't tell their wife, Hey, I, I just got myself fired because I was, you know, caught drinking on the job or whatever. You know, a lot of times po- problems pile up and they cause us to lose our, lose our job. And we, we take that fear of how somebody else is going to react. And that causes a breakdown in communications. And so um, there is pro, there are problems that originate in fear. Scarcity mindset is a fear based mindset. Fixed mindset, uh, can turn into a fear based mindset because all of a sudden you're not your, your abilities to do a, uh, a really good job all of a sudden are threatened because all, you're not able to rely on your talents as much. And fear can be a good thing. I mean, a couple of examples is when I was a little kid, um, you know, I would sneak into the kitchen to, uh, to get like a push up or, which is not a bra, but it's, uh, it's actually orange sherbet. We used to get it from a, a company called the Schwan Man. And, um, or from Schwann's and the Schwann man would come and he'd have all sorts of different types of ice cream. There'd be like fudge bars, which were incredible. And then also push-ups. And they were just this cardboard tube that had sherbet, orange sherbet stuffed in it. And at the end was this little plunger that as you licked up the, the sherbet, you would push up the, from the bottom. And you'd get more sherbet. And so you just, you know, and then lick it all up and gone. And it was gone, you know, five minutes. And it was a, it was a good little snack to have. So I would, uh, at times uh, get up at night, um, and decide, you know what? I want to push up. And so I'd sneak off into the kitchen and I, we had a freezer that was on one side, on one end of the, uh, the, the kitchen and dining room area of, our old house. And so you'd sneak in, I'd sneak in there and mom, dad's bedroom was just right off the kitchen. And so you had to be real quiet. Well, I walked into the uh, kitchen and we have the stove light on, which is typical for Southern families. Or we would have, have a little bit of light. So if you wanted to go grab something to drink and you know, drink a water or whatever, you can, you saw what you were doing. Well, I walked in there and we used to have a big pillar candle and it sat on a little pedestal and it would set up on there. And, uh, it was, uh, just kind of a home decoration. It smelt really nice, but it also was, we used it a couple times whenever 
uh, we'd have a power outage. Lights would go out. So we'd start lighting candles so we could see, you know, we were in the older days when you had, uh, LED lights. So we didn't use flashlights because they were big and heavy and batteries are expensive. So we just lit a bunch of candles. Still use that to actually today here at this house when we lose the electricity. And so I walk in to the kitchen and as I'm walking in, I'm kind of looking to make sure no one's up or anything. And that pillar candle was just kind of sitting on, on the bar. And as I walked in, all of a sudden the, uh, the candle fell over. Now the, these, the pillar candles, I don't know, probably three, maybe five inches across. If I, if I'm thinking, remembering right, but it was sitting on a pedestal. That's probably about three inches off, off the ground. And it, Really shouldn't, because it also has a little spike in the middle. So, so that to actually hold the candle in place so it doesn't sl- uh, slide around. But for whatever reason, this candle toppled over, landed on the, uh, landed on the bar with a foot. And when that happened, oh my God, you know, I, you thought someone, somebody had just, uh, an alligator just clamped onto my butt cheek or something because I mean, I jumped eight, I think I, I think I came almost to the point of hitting my head on the, on the ceiling, but, uh, I jumped and then I was already in seventh gear, uh, running by the time my feet actually hit the ground again and took off and ran back, uh, into my bedroom. And I, I think I leapt from the, uh, from the doorway because, you know, you got your boogeyman that lives underneath the bed. So I jumped from the, uh, from the, from the doorway. And I sailed through the air for a good 10 minutes before I actually landed on the bed. I mean, it was because it's a long, long, uh, room. And so you have to, and I swear I, that's, I know it didn't happen, but that's way it felt at that time is, oh my God, the, uh, and this was the day in the time when poltergeist came out to kind of give you an idea of how long ago this was and how little I was. So, I could have sworn that, uh, the ghost that got Carol Ann was getting me. And so I was, I was, I was scared to, scared to death, man. I was just like, Oh, and just, and taking off and running and, uh, wound up in bed through pillow, uh, sheets and blankets and everything else over my head. And I was holding my breath, you know, because you can't let the ghost hear you. They won't, they won't see you under the, sh- under the covers, but by God, they might hear you breathe. So. Won't hear the, the springs creaking as you're, as you're shaking to death, but still, uh, but you can, but that's, uh, but that was one time that I experienced a great deal of fear. Another time was when, and we all experience fear in different ways, but for me, another time that's very memorable where I was just scared the pants off of me was, I was down in central Texas. I was visiting my great grandparents and we had one humdinger of a lightning storm. I mean, you didn't have to have the, the, the lanterns on. You didn't, we lost electricity and yet we could walk uh, from any place in the house without running into anything because the lightning was just boom, 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 just so stroboscopic. In, in its frequencies that, you know, you could, it was like almost like a bluish white 
sun was shining and you could walk around in the kitchen and go sit down by grand granddad and great grandma and mom was there and she was sitting there and everybody was talking. And I mean, the thunder was just as loud as could be. And it was just shaking everything. It was, you know, it was, God was, God was striking, uh, was, was bowling a perfect game that day. And he was seeing if he could, he was doing a speed run of the game also. Well, I always liked thunder and lightning. I've not really been scared to death of it. It comes along. I still, last night, as a matter of fact, we had a thunderstorm roll through and I sat on, on the back porch watching the clouds light up and listening to the thunder come rolling in nice and gently. And it was, it's pleasant. I find the, I find thunderstorms to be a very pleasant thing. It's, I love the smell and the, and the action and the energy and the, in the air that comes about. Well, I was decided I wanted to go and watch the lightning. And so I went outside and I grabbed an umbrella because, well, it was also raining and I didn't want to get wet. I just wanted to watch the lightning. And so I go out and my granddad had lives on, my great granddad had a about, I don't know, three acres of land. And he had two really big gardens. One was on the, on the south side of uh, the house and the other was on the west side of the house. And I was out behind the house and standing in the middle of his, of his garden, just sitting there, just watching the lightning go boom, 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 just striking everywhere. It was, you know, it was, it was really, really incredible. And I loved it and I was exhilarated by the, by that. And then all of a sudden, I start getting really light feeling. It's just all of a sudden, you know, it's almost like somebody's trying to beam you up and the hair on the back of my neck was all tingly and it was creeping up my, up my head. And I was just like, wow, this is a really, a what really odd feeling. And then I don't know, it might have been a half mile down the road, but to me, it was a, at least 20 feet in front of me. It was close enough that I know that it, I felt the heat and it was hot. I mean, it didn't leave me smoking or steaming or anything, but you know, it was a, it, there was a good bit of heat in this thing and it bam. And there was this, all of a sudden the world went white and there was a, a ear deafening or a deafening clash of, of thunder. And the moment that thunder and all that happened, there was no thought involved. The umbrella was dropped. It was left in the in the garden. And all you heard was as I go running. And I was at the back door. I mean, you know, I could have ran to the back door, open, ran in and shut the door, and I would have been, been just fine. But did I? No. I ran all the way around the house and to get in the front door. And <laughs> So fear <laughs> causes you to do really dumb things. So does inexperience cause you to do really dumb things. And the only way you get experience is by doing the dumb things so that you become an experienced person. So, but anyhow, these two instances are great examples uh, of three things. You got surprise, stupidity, and fear. <laughs> Obviously, you know the surprise, the candle falling over, and 
it's a it's a given that uh, stupidity is is for the lightning. But both generated fear and blindfolded blind fear, where you're just you're you're not thinking. There is no thought going on. It is you're in fight or flight or freeze. And I didn't freeze on any of those. Um, it was strictly flight. And like on the first one, I think I did literally fly at least two times. Those, that type of fear, that blind fear is an example of where your amygdala, which is where fear and actually all emotions kind of generate from. If you're feeling good and feeling happy, your amygdala goes, Oh, okay. Well, you're good. You're good. All right. And let's your, let your superior thinking, uh, your upper thinking, your prefrontal cortex actually do its job. But when you are in blind fear, all of a sudden the amygdala, that lizard part of your brain goes, I've got control and wrenches control from, uh, of your body from the thinking part of your brain. And it just acts. And you could go careening off of a, off of a ledge. If you're in blind fear, your body's just doing on its own. It's got to protect itself. Well, fear, that's what fear was designed, uh, evolutionary speaking. If you're an, if you believe in evolution, you, they, that's what that, that's why you have the amygdala. If you're a creationist, well, that's why God created your amygdala and stuck that in there is to keep your stupid butt safe. The problem is, is a lot of times people let fear rule their lives and fear can, Keep you from being able to achieve the, the, the happiness and the goals and the success that you actually want. And yet in your brain and your amygdala is very, very smart, very, very clever in that it can make your fears seem reasonable. Well, I'm not, I can't, I can't write, uh, write a, a, a 2000 page, uh, or 2000 page. I can't write a 2000 word blog post because, well, people aren't going to, I'm afraid people aren't going to read something that long. I better knock it down. Uh, or you may, I can't, I can't go on to, uh, on Facebook. That would be, uh, do a live stream on Facebook because I, people aren't going to want to see what, what I like. Nobody cares what I look like. I'm going to look like, I'm going to look stupid on there. You're afraid you're going to look stupid. You're afraid you're no one's going to read your stuff if you make it too long. And so we limit ourselves and limit our possibilities because out of a fear. Now, does it sound possible, plausible? Yeah. In the time that you're thinking that, it does sound plausible. But I'm going to let you in on a little secret. That fear is not needed near as much as it used to be. You're allowing your amygdala to run roughshod over uh, over your controls and what you're wanting to do can actually come to an end and can become very useful if you take the time to understand that your fear is now a tool. Now, as I said, fear in the olden days was uh, it was a tool, is a survival tool. It, it told you, hey, you're uh, you're Fix it. Go step outside the cave. Remember, there are there there are saber tooth tigers and and giant bears and other things out there that uh, see you as a tasty snack, and you don't want to do that. You don't want to be a tasty snack. You want to stay in here by the fire where you're warm and comfortable. 
and, and, and just, just be comfortable. You don't want to do that. And that's that same line of thinking is happening today. Well, we're busy, you know, staying, staying in our house. And during the whole, uh, the COVID crisis, uh, everybody did. We stayed in house out of fear. We were, Oh my God, everybody's going to die. We're going to lose 10% of the population. Um, and everybody's going to get sick. They're going to die. It's this thing spreading like wildfire. We're, we're going to die and we, we got to save ourselves. We got to keep the, uh, hospitals from, from being packed solid with nothing but dead and decaying bodies. We got to stay inside. We got to be, we're got to be afraid. And a lot of people really worked on that fear angle. They made sure that uh, the media did a great job of making sure that you're scared to death that this COVID-19, uh, uh, pandemic that was running rampant through the, through across the world that was surely going to kill you and kill everybody or, or in your family. And you were, there was only going to be two men left standing. And so the human world was, uh, the, the human, uh, uh, race was gone to, uh, it was going to be gone next week. There was that fear, that use of fear to make sure that you stayed safe because you're, if you got thinking that, oh no, you've got the, uh, the, this virus running around and we don't know what's going on. Well, there are people still wanting to use that fear and trying to keep, hold on to the fear of, Hey, we're going to all die if we don't stay inside our house. And yes, we know it's going to be at the detriment of your well being. You, yeah, we know you're going to be homeless next week, but we can't let that let you, uh, let you leave your house because, well, We've got, we've got this virus out here. And so there's this, this fear that, um, that keeps us here, uh, at the house. And because we have this huge fear, all of a sudden, instead of having the, uh, uh, having the opportunity to go outside, we stay home, we stay safe, we stay comfortable because, well, there's scary stuff out, outside. And so we, we, some people, you know, they, Sit and just watch Netflix. Well, even before the coronavirus, that was one of the big problems that you would have. You would, it was better if you sat still and just Netflix, watch Netflix. You know, you've got 37 episodes left. You've got, uh, got all these other shows that we have. And if you don't like Netflix, that's fine. We got Hulu. There's Hulu. There's all these other forms of entertainment that kept you on the couch and away from fear. So. Fear is a great tool. Now, it can be used for both ways. It can, uh, like any other tool, you can use it the wrong way. You can use it like what, uh, like, uh, media these days is, was using fear of the coronavirus, making sure that you stayed inside, made sure that you, uh, you didn't venture out. Or if you did, you, you know, you had yourself wrapped up in, in, uh, in, and plastic and, and masks because, you know, you didn't mask for bad. No, no, they work. No, never mind. They don't work. Yeah, they do work. You're getting all this conflicting information and the conflict information helps kind of keep the confusion, which helps keep fear generated because knowledge of stuff gets rid of, drives the fear away. But also fear is very well used for, you know, your common, uh, run-of-the-mill tyrants, dictators. They not just media-wise of, hey, you've got, let's scare you into staying inside, but let's scare you to stay loyal to a to a particular government. So you can, people use fear as a means to manipulate. Now, this isn't a, a political deal. This is just, you know, 
because we use fear of you want to get a spanking when we're talking uh, talking to our kids. You we use the uh, the fear of well I'm the parent I said so and we try to lord over our kids and when they're little yeah you kind of have to you have to give them you have to have them understand that I'm not going to let you do something uh, and kind of help them with understand the ground rules and. Eventually, and teenagers are a great example of this. Eventually, they get tired of being told, "Hey, I'm in control. You're not." And so that's where a lot of the uh, teenage rebellion actually comes from, is because they have gotten tired of living under a layer of of fear that you're going to go off and give them swats. And yeah, swats are not pleasant, but you know they're not going to kill you either. Fear. One thing that a lot of dictators and stuff don't realize when using fear, fear erodes a person's sense of self-being to the point to where eventually they do get tired of it. They get tired of being so uh, worn down and scared. And if they, if you're, if you start trying to act out against that, well, they crank that fear up just a little bit more. So take like North Korea, where if you, they, work the fear of if they somebody defects, well, that's fine. You can defect. I'm not going to try to bring you back. But the, all those relatives you left behind, they're going to work in in labor camps and, and be put into re-education camps and they're going to be they're going to be punished for your crime. And so then that holds people to a to a level of, well, I can't leave because I have to I have to take care of my family. If I can leave and take all my fa- relatives with me, great. But at the same time, they usually will start not just your immediate family, but they'll start punishing your extended family. So out of fear, because somebody eventually will be scared enough to go, dude, you don't want to do that. Don't run off on me like that. Because if you do, I'm going to jail and I may not live. Or think of great grandma, you know, those types of things. But fear can also be used as an advantage. And uh, Mastin Kip is the author of, what was the name of that book? Um, His book is actually called Claim Your Power. And what he, he had a really good, and actually the inspiration for uh, for this podcast episode was the saying, Unless you're in mortal danger, fear is a compass showing you where to go. And that, I, hearing that, uh, that quote was one of those little, ah, moments where all of a sudden a, a, a switch flipped and it's like, of course. Yes. That's kind of what I've been saying. Just not saying it as eloquently as what Mastin Kip actually said. And it is, yeah, if you're in mortal danger, yeah, fear. Well, and even in mortal danger, your fear is uh, fear is a compass showing you where to go. But when you're not in mortal danger, you actually want to go the direction of the fear. Find that place where all of a sudden the fear becomes fear of what you're wanting to do becomes so great that you can't you cannot you're you're hardly able to stand. And then take hitch up your britches, tie your sandals on a little tighter. And you need to venture off in the direction that scares you most. 
Uh, a lot of people, when they're setting, uh, they're helping you set up goals. One of the things they ask is, well, does this goal scare you? If not, then there's a good chance you're not, you don't have either a, a big enough goal or the goal isn't right for you. So you want to have, take, start doing goals that kind of freak you out. Um, I don't think I'm worth, you know, a million dollars a year. Well, you, that's probably the direction you want to head. How do you get that? Well, I don't know. I can't, I can, I, there's other things I need to be doing besides for trying to get a business up to a million dollars a year. That's probably the direction you really need to go. There are different things that, um, we, we are so afraid of what, uh, of, of the unknown yet that a lot of times we actually will forget to actually breathe. And that's one of the most interesting things about it. Fitz Pearls, uh, Dr. Fitz Pearls, uh, he's uh, an MD and a psychiatrist uh, and founder of what's called the Gestalt theory. There, a Gestalt therapy, not theory. Actually has a saying that fits in with this perfectly. And that is fear is excitement without the breath. And have you ever noticed when you're scared, you hold your breath in? You're holding that fear in. You're holding, you're, you're, you know, you're, but the moment you let the breath go in, all of a sudden that fear switches to excitement. Look at a roller coaster. You're riding up and as you come screaming down, you're, you're holding your breath in. You're scared for your life. Oh my God. How tall is this roller coaster? It's going down. So we've got to be hitting Mach two now. Oh, what the, you know, you're got all this, this fear in your thoughts and oh my gosh, we're going to, I'm lifted out of my seat. I'm going to fly away. Oh my gosh. Thought life is going to come to an end. And then when it hit bottoms out and you go up and start doing the loop, you're like, and you take a breath and all of a sudden that fear, oh my God, I'm going to die becomes excitement because you took that breath. You took the, you started breathing and you took a deep breath and it's, uh, it becomes, uh, excitement. And we do the same, we can, do, we do the same thing even when we're aiming to goals. Now, granted, we're still breathing, you know, as we work towards our goals, but we worry about that, that fear. What, that what if, that what if, what if I fail? What if I fail? What if I fail? What if I fail? Oh, I didn't fail. This is awesome. And so you get that breath. So we, our amygdala wants us to stay safe. Our amygdala, wants us to stay in a comfortable, familiar area. And the moment you venture off into the most unknown portion, that's where you start to develop the, the needed skills you, you, that are required so that you're actually able to get to the next level where there is basically the same problem that you're going to face again, which is something of the unknown. But you're going to have a few more skills that will help build a ladder to get you closer to, uh, to, to those steps to, to the even next level. So work with the fear, take the look at that fear. Take, um, and when you're really worried and you're just, you're bashing your head against the wall, do a five by five, step back, take a deep breath and look and see what is it that's actually holding you back. And a lot of times you're actually going to see that that thing that's holding you back is fear. So, for this week, I want to try to throw a bit of an assignment to you. Let's see if we can start getting some 
some some progress made towards whatever issue you're running up against. That issue could be I'm I need to get to I need to get to ten uh, ten contacts. I need to I need to find ten people who could possibly ten leads that could possibly take me to the level that I need. Well, start trying that. And you're going to you're going to run into the, the the problem. You're going to all of a sudden you're going to see what your fear is. And if you have that fear, focus in on it and see where what it is about that fear that uh, that leads you to the tool that you need to have to use to get over to that uh over that that obstacle that you're facing. Because for for me, big problem that I really have is actually I like talking to people. I love, and I, I will strike up a conversation with anybody, but when it comes to con- conversing with people about my business, about what I do, all of a sudden I lose the words. And so that's, that's an issue that I have. I know that's the direction I need to go. I need to just start saying, hi, I'm, you know, a, a coach. I help, uh, dads to reconnect with their, to fully connect with their sons so that they have develop a, strong, confident man. And to say that with only you listening in is one thing. But if I was to walk up to a group of people, I feel really weird. Uh, best way to do it. And that weirdness, if I look at it and examine it closely enough, and I've done enough driving in the truck that I, I've looked at this often, it is always based in fear because I'm afraid that somebody's either going to laugh at me or go, dude, you're, that's you're, you're with everybody. You're like everybody else. You're just, you're just, you're, Oh, you're one of those coach type of people, huh? Yeah. Well, you know, uh, I don't have the spare money to have a coach. Those types of fears run through my head. And if I can get past that fear and it, sh- it sounds like it's an easy thing to get past and I get it. It's not that easy, but it's doable. And so, I want to present to you what is a sit down and focus in on what is the big barrier in in your life to the goal that you're trying to get to. Are you trying to become an accomplished author? Are you just trying to become financially independent to where you don't have to worry about somebody else signing your paycheck? You sign your own paycheck. How do you do that? How do you uh, talk to your son about the, uh, about the dangers that he's, he is facing as he goes down a reckless path that uh, kids want to go down. Look at those ways of that fear is trying to push you away and use it just like a metal detector where you're just, Oh, nope, nope. Uh, we got fear. We got a little bit more, a little bit more, a little more. Oh, go. Oh my gosh. A lot of fear. Okay. We're going a little easier, a little easier. A little, okay. Oh, but we're big. Up, 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 up. And as you figure out where that fear is, Address it and see how you can see if you can overcome that this week. If you are great, go ahead and leave a comment down in uh, below over on the show notes. You can go to uh, relaxedmail.com forward slash 26 and that's the number two six and uh, leave a comment down below and uh, we'll have a good discussion. So, all right. If you are, I've still got some. Just a little bit of a closing business now. Yeah, I've still got a couple of openings available for uh, Conclave of Men. 
the uh, $75 for the lifetime is now gone. We're at $75 a month. If you missed it, I'm sorry, ma'am. It's, uh, it, I, I was hoping you would be able to get, uh, get to it in time, but go ahead. And if you sign up, we'd love to have you join in. It's, uh, still incredibly, uh, affordable at 75 a month because there are a lot of high dollar masterminds out there that do wonders, but you never, you never see them at 75. And it's, this one here is not going to stay at 75 forever either. It's going to be going up, uh, also. So if you want to lock yourself in for the $75 a month for the Conclave of Men, please do so. I'd love to have you there. Love to help you get to the, uh, to the level of success that you're wanting and to help you be able to connect with your sons on a deeper level so that they are wanting to turn to you when they have a moment of question and need your clarity. All right. So guys, I appreciate you listening. Thank you again. We will see you next week. So till then, face those fears, man. They won't last forever. Bye.